Oh, hi. Hi. I'm Adam Kewen. And I'm Nadia Rosemond. And this is Relay Essay, a podcast that features a connected conversation about student affairs in Canada. So that's the student affairs part. What's the relay part, Nadia? Everyone that we interview recommends or refers another friend or colleague that we should interview and creating a relay across Canada as we interview people from coast to coast. So this episode started off as a bit of a joke, a bit of a what-if kind of scenario, Um, and it just became this amazing experiment that I think went really well. This, I don't have favorites, but if I did, this is like top five for sure of episodes of Relay Essay. I think it's because it was a bit of a risk. So we had this idea, and we put in the proposal to the conference programming committee, and without any bribes, they accepted it, (laughs) (laughs) and we were able to do a live taping of the Relay Essay podcast. So as folks entered the room, they were invited to write their names down and an issue they wanted to discuss. And then we started the episode with a presenter at the caucus, which was Jen Gonzalez. And after her quick interview, she pulled the name out of the, of the, the mug and it just continued. So all the names are spontaneous. They had no idea. They volunteered, but they had no idea that they would actually be chosen. So you get that excitement and that shock and just an authentic, genuine conversation in that moment. It was so good, and it was a live relay, so we made it happen. We weren't sure how it was going to play yeah. out, but oh my goodness, the energy was phenomenal. The audience was amazing. They were just right there with us. Um, so let's just listen to it right now. I will declare that I'm not the type to have any yes. It's worth all the shares. The number one podcast is the best. Want to hear what they have to say, along with all the guests that popping on the way. Without further delay, it's me, they. All right, welcome to Relay SA Live. We, where are we, Nadia? We are in the fabulous Prince Edward Island. Yes. PI, potatoes, Anna Green Gables, red soil, student affairs. <laughs> so many things. I've eaten chocolate covered potato chips every day since I've been here. So I'm hoping to, you know, diversify the, my, my food options, my potato Fries, options. Fries, maybe, yes. yeah. Yes. Um, All right, so we've got a relay today that we're going to be doing. We're so grateful that y'all could join us. We've got this, I I wish podcasts can convey the beauty that I see looking out at this crowd, Mm -hmm. the very good looking folks who have joined us to participate in this podcast today. They're hot. Imagine really hot people, that's the audience. Yeah. (laughs) And what we're going to be doing today is we have um, an interview that's going to get us started. She has no idea that it's about to happen. She has no idea she's going to be invited up here to talk about stuff. Um, And then we're going to go into kind of these micro-interviews where we've asked folks from the audience to give us topics that they want to talk about. And then we're going to kind of create this relay that's going to be part chance, part relay, part everything. So I'm pretty pumped about what we're going to be talking about today. Do you want to get started with our first guest, Nadia? Yes. Please welcome to the stage. Um, (laughs) Our first guest was Adam's first guest in season one of Relay Essay and was as a presenter during a caucus, actually. I presented with her yesterday, I think another presentation tomorrow. So please welcome to the stage, Miss Jennifer Gonzalez from Ryerson Woo! University. So, as Jen is approaching uh, the table here, I just want to share with everyone a fun fact. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jen, Maddie, and I presented at a conference as students <laughs> together in, I think it was my third year, your second year? Mm-hmm. Res Life Conference. McMaster. Res Life Conference McMaster. 
It was team stat. Together, everyone achieves more. What was the, the stat part? I can't remember. It was an acronym. It was amazing at the time. <laughs> it was themed after the hit show at the time, ER. So we wore like doctor scrubs and we played the ER opening and did the poses like it's in the opening credits of ER. It was amazing. And here we are, just a few years later, gathered in front of you today. Still in scrubs. Still in scrubs. Yeah, for those who are listening at home, we're in full costume. Um, but the reason we wanted to um, bring Jen up today is to talk about a session that was going on on the first day. And Nadia, you were part of it as well, as well as Pearl Mendonca from Mohawk College. So can you tell us a little bit about what went down? What did you talk about? So we have been, um, I've been coming to lots of conferences for many years and for several of the last conferences, people have been coming up to me, um, younger professionals uh, who are predominantly racialized saying, hey, you have a lot of positional power. There's some challenges out there in the field for those of us who are coming up. Um, we aren't represented, we aren't heard. Uh, there was a hashtag that was trending a few years ago, hashtag caucus so white. Um, and yesterday we hosted a kind of a two hour session that was very intentional to hopefully build some community on the first day um, where we got uh, racialized professionals together. We talked about some of the things that we experience in our work and in our lives. And then we had a healing circle. So we did some um, different modalities, healing modalities. And I think Nads and I as best friends have kind of come to the realization in the last few years that our interest in spirituality, while very much driven by an interest, was also sometimes a survival mechanism. So we talked about that yesterday, and we shared stories and um, connections, and I've seen lots of amazing kind of connections happening in the hallways, and I hope that kind of what we have in terms of community and how we can call each other at the end of days or in between meetings and some of those things that happen when we're experiencing things like microaggressions or we're experiencing not being seen or heard um, is happening now. So I am, yeah, happy that we did it. It was very vulnerable and definitely yeah. different than talking about some of our award-winning programs or, you know, some of the things that are best practices. Best practices. Yeah. Um, having a little bit more to do with our identity, um, which is uh, a new foray into, for me anyway, at this space. And it was good. Hmm. Yeah, there was, a, I guess, two moments that stuck out for me that I don't know, I, I feel like sharing. So one moment was uh, we were talking about certain comps, concepts that impact our professional identity. So uh, concepts like microaggression, code switching, uh, anti-black racism, whatever it might be. And at my table, I was sitting with other black women, and we were still whispering the word black. Like, we're like, okay, it's black. And then someone was like, caught themselves. We were like, why am I whispering this word, but so it was just like not being aware of like maybe sometimes how we feel a little bit scared or like um, I guess we're programmed to not like not talk about certain things in our in our industry or maybe certain spaces. Mm -hmm. And then another moment where someone shared um, during the opening ceremony, someone was talking about I think it was our the Rook president or the co-chair, one of the co-chairs of the caucus conference, I forgot her name, and how she was celebrating like more Sh than Charmaine Hack, Sherm yeah Charmaine Hack. Um, celebrating more than like 20 years in the industry and then so one, one of our participants was like oh I could stay like I could also be here for more than tw I never even thought that was a possibility that I could stay for more than and I was like wow like I, that's a very interesting that maybe you think that like maybe maybe there's a time limit or it's a, a stop or and just them mm -hmm. introducing the idea of like I could stay and make this a career that was interesting mm -hmm. for me Sounds like it was an excellent session for everyone who's able to make it. Is there anything that you would share for folks who couldn't make it and maybe are listening 
um, any messages to them around ways to connect or find support or find energy to to keep working and, mm-hmm. and finding that sense of connection. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to Sanya, who's presenting her research right now. Um, there is research coming out, and I think that there's uh, lots of information out there that could be useful for anyone in our field. Obviously, Twitter has been this magical thing that helps us share lots of information, and certainly talking to myself, I'll put myself out there. Um, and just the recognition, another thing that happened for me yesterday, that the, the emotional labor piece that kind of is a, a really good, prominent conversation that's happening right now. I think just the eye-to-eye contact of anyone who is equity-seeking, whether that be visible or invisible, listening to stories, listening to people, just humanizing our profession, and really just the power of saying I love you. I said that yesterday in the full room. I don't know when we lost the ability to say I love you. If you go to a kindergarten room, those kids are telling everyone that they love each other and love um, their teacher or whoever else, so I'm just kind of putting that out there and sharing some love and that's what I'm going to put out as a call to action for those who can be there. More love. More, More love. love. What about you, Nadia? Any other insights about that? I think contributing through... Uh, sometimes we like censor ourselves from applying to present certain topics, so I think everyone should always try uh, to be part of the content of our conferences. And also, I guess, not, not being afraid to join some of the community of practice um, breakout groups. So there was one yesterday for equity seeking groups uh, at networking, and then there's one today for uh, racialized and indigenous um, student affairs professionals, so those are really good. I know it's been, I know during the day it could be hard because we're always around people, and like by the end of the day you're like, I just want to eat cow's ice cream alone. <laughs> uh, but like for that last, like before you end the day, just to come into like the smaller rooms and even to sit amongst people that you might be able to connect with might make a really big deal and enhance your your caucus experience. Do you think this session that you've done, do you think there'll be a repeat in 2019? Do you think there'll be other instances of it? Or, yeah, what is the future for this conversation? I was talking to some people on campus, actually, about at Ryerson, about kind of sharing sharing the model, um, letting other people infuse what they bring to the table in terms of what they've found for strategies to make it through. So I hope that we can kind of produce some sort of facilitator's guide and mm. put that out there as a base of what the conversation was, but then let other people make it their own. We're obviously coming at this from our lived experience and our lens, but I think there's lots of other ways and kind of spaces that it can it can go. Mm-hmm. And I'd be interested in really having a, a whole session devoted to healing about it. So like we had more like we broke it up and part one was about the concepts and the impact. And then part two was like just learning and sharing different healing modalities. And I think that we should own like healing as a session. That would be really valuable for people. And can you say more about that? If folks don't know healing modalities, what that means, like what, what kind of stuff did you do? Yeah, so we each have like... I think things that work for us in our own day-to-day. So Heather, um, sorry, um, Pearl. Pearl shared um, like a body breathing check-in technique. Uh, Jen talked about gratitude and, you know, just practicing having a gratitude journal. Um, I talked a bit about asking the universe and petitioning the universe. Some people shared things like prayer. Reiki is another practice that uh, Pearl, shout out to Pearl, that teaches. So... Just a few things, and it's unique to everyone, but I just think creating the space and pausing to think about, okay, what do I need to kind of help me day to day? And a lot of our cultures and our practices have and celebrate different ways of healing and taking care of the self and spirituality. So kind of recognizing it and not, and it can get ignored in the day to day, but kind of 
being proud of it and using it for ourselves to kind of keep going. Yeah. Amazing. Was there any other observations or things you wanted to share today about, about the session that took place? Oh, what do you think? Oh, it's good. You're good. Yes. Thank you for the space, Caucus. Thank you for the space. Yeah. yeah. Well, y'all put in the proposal, so thank you for, <laughs> for doing it. I mean, thanks, Caucus, too, I guess. But yeah. Also, I guess they did something, I guess. Um, so I think the time has come for us to select our first micro interview, so let's get into Can't it. Oh my Jen gosh. is reaching her hand into the mug. Ooh. Awesome. Chelsea Corsi from TRU Opioid Crisis. Ooh. Yes. All right, Chelsea, are you? Yes. Oh. Thank you, Jen. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So welcome to the stage. Thank you so much. I think we're going to just start off nice and light with the opioid <laughs> crisis. Let's get into it. Well, first, who are, who are you? Where do you work? A bit about what you do. Sure. We can thank Janet Miller for this. Um, <laughs> my name is Chelsea Corsi, as you said. I am the wellness coordinator at Thompson Rivers University in Kamloops, BC. Uh, do you want to share a fun fact about yourself? No pressure, but... What's a fun fact about myself? Pinterest. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm a Pinterest junkie. I love doing projects in my house, but I never finish them, so my husband hates it. <laughs> There's always things that are, like, unfinished, and I move on to the next project, and he's like, can we just finish this one thing? So mm -hmm. I like to start strong, and but sometimes I peter out. But that's a talent, you know, starting things. That's a is gift. It? It, I, I agree. Some people the don't creativity even have that is ability. there. Yeah. The creativity is there. I'm not a finishing carpenter, so maybe that's my problem. So can you tell us a little bit about <clears throat> what led you to write? Well, unless yeah. Janet wrote it down for you, yeah. but <laughs> <laughs> what led you to write down that we should be speaking about the opioid crisis? Sure. So actually this morning, a colleague of mine um, and I from TRU presented on the opioid crisis and kind of our response at TRU. Um, I think that depending on where you live in Canada, um, you may be more impacted by this than others. Definitely in the West Coast um, in 2016, our, uh, it was declared as a public health emergency uh, because so many people were dying um, of overdose. And a lot of that was to do with um, a drug called fentanyl. Um, which is actually was developed years ago in terms of a pain medication mm. um, and was used for people um, living in, uh, with cancer or for surgeries. It's a really quick-acting but short-acting drug, so it's quite a good drug in that way. Uh, but what's been happening is that it's been put into different types of other drugs, mm. um, including party drugs, etc. And so people unwillingly or unknowingly uh, may be exposed to it, diffusing it. So um, the rates of, of death and mortality and morbidity um, are, are skyrocketing, especially in the western part of Canada and as well as in Ontario, is actually we're seeing a spike as well. So we think it's, I guess, why I put it down or me thinking about it, is that I think it's our responsibility as universities and colleges across the country to really think about what our response should be to this issue because it, it will impact our students and it will impact our faculty and our staff. As we know, many people use substances. We might not know who they are because there is a stigma attached to that. And so part of our work is to reduce that stigma and increase access um, and reduce barriers to things like what we've done is um, have naloxone kits um, available for students and employees on campus. And naloxone is an antidote to an opioid. So um, if someone is experiencing overdose um, due to an opioid, um, it actually kicks them off your brain receptors, takes over those spots, and actually can revive that person. So. And is that giving them enough time to maybe get to a hospital, or is that like well, yeah. all you need? 
Uh, well, there is a process, okay. which we probably don't have time to discuss. Um, but basically, it's a step in that assessment to see if, you know, knowing the signs and symptoms of an, of an opioid overdose or something that we teach when we give out kits, um, and we talk about that response of what you, what you can do. Part of that, if someone's not responsive, you call the emergency right away. Um, and part of that assessment is stay with that person, um, and kind of the end of that process is giving the person naloxone, either through an inter in, um, muscular injection or they have nasal sprays as well. They're a bit more expensive, so the free kits that our BC Centre for Disease Control are offering are the injectable type because of the cost. Mm. Um, but you can purchase the nasal if you want to have one for yourself. And why I think it's important is that in our philosophy, on our campus anyways, as for Kirsten and I, um, and she has a, a strong history. She's also a nurse, and she's worked at Insight in uh, the downtown east side, and is very um, proponent of harm reduction, is that we really want to see everyone as part of their first aid kit having mm. a long-some kit. Okay. Because the thing is, you, you do not, as I mentioned, you do not know who's using substances. Um, and you could be, like, at a party with people and someone's using something. You could be camping for a weekend with your family and the person next to you at the campsite. And there's actually a story in Kelowna where a woman had done the training for naloxone. She received a kit and knew how to use it and was exiting an elevator in a parkade. And there was a young girl who was about 15. It was kind of hunched over and not responsive. And that girl was actually having an overdose, experienced an overdose, and that woman actually saved her life. So you never know who's using substances, where you might need it. And so our goal at TRU has been to educate our campus about this, as well as um, we've trained student uh, peers, the wellness ambassadors, as well as frontline student uh, services professionals, um, and to train the trainer model. So they're actually, even though they're not health professionals, like a nurse or someone, yeah. they're able to actually teach others how to use the kits to increase that access. So this that's why I thought, yeah. This is really good, because sometimes, mm -hmm. I find when there's an issue, it's easy to be like, oh, that's going to impact health and wellness. Yeah. But it's really good to like some of the things that you're sharing as a citizen of yeah. where you might live. It's a, like a skill yeah. to And I think have. for us, well, you know, in terms of the access piece, you know, we have an open wellness center. Um, I'm there with our students so they can drop in at any time to ask, hey, I'm interested in getting a kit. And they can do the teaching there. It takes about 10 minutes to teach somebody how to use it. But also if someone's meeting with a counselor or is at our Kapolkatin, which is our indigenous space um, with say an Aboriginal learning strategist and they talk about substances, they talk about I'm going to parties where my friends are using these things, I'm concerned. That person in that moment, in that teachable moment can say, hey, are you interested in learning how to use naloxone um, as an antidote and I can teach you. So it's not sending them somewhere. We talk about students accessing resources and having to be passed around to different places. So for us, it was like, if there's that moment where it's the opportunity, um, then that makes sense to have people who know how to help them. So if, the, if you could um, suggest perhaps a call to action for people who aren't necessarily in this room in this moment, yeah. or maybe just listening at another time, but they're working in student affairs mm -hmm. elsewhere, uh, maybe elsewhere in the country, or what would you recommend that are some steps that they could take to be reactive and responsive to this? Well, I guess to see from their perspective, is this an issue for them in their communities and their campuses? You know, is this something that's a, a priority? Um, in BC, it definitely has been a priority, and that's why we've acted this way. Um, so I think doing that kind of assessment, it's also partnering with your stakeholders. So what is your, you know, community health services doing? How can you partner with them um, to leverage some resources on campus? Um, and then getting your students involved and other stakeholders on your campus involved to see, you know, what should our response be to this? Now, if you're, if, you know, in some of maybe the Eastern Coast provinces, we haven't seen quite the same mm -hmm. numbers of deaths, but it's not to say you shouldn't start preparing yeah. for that. 
it's kind of starting to move across the country. So rather than be reactionary, how can we be proactive? And that's kind of, you know, as a health promoter and a nurse myself, I really, the health promotion I'm, you know, is really a love of mine. And so how do we prepare for something that may, you know, be coming our way? That's amazing. Great. That's really great advice. Oh, thanks. Chelsea, that was amazing. That was good. Thank you. I, I was like, please don't call me because I'm not sure what I'm going to say, but thank you. It was meant to be. Was that not amazing? <laughs> yeah. Oh, before we go, Chelsea. And if, you, if we didn't call you that week, I would not have known. So this is so valuable. This is well, well, thank you. Okay, so Chelsea nice. is okay. Um, I think that's Jer. Jer, York University? <laughs> All right. Future students? Oh, yes, we belly danced earlier together. <laughs> okay. Oh, did I out you? I'm sorry. We're going to do like another podcast about like... <laughs> Belly dancing in caucus. <laughs> All right, so as uh, Jer is making his way up, Jer works at York University and he's making his way to the stage. And the topic that Jer's identified it is the future structures and staffing, staffing in student affairs. All right, Jer, how are you? Doing good, Al. Thanks for having me today. I just want to say thank you very much for the audience being here today. Thank you to our sponsors, Ooh La La, uh, Campus Labs and whatnot, enjoying the food here at the Delta. Yes, go ahead, Jer, ask me. Oh, thank you. That's a good plug. So, who are you? Where do you work? Why are you so cool? Thank you. Uh, so, my name is Jer. I work at York University. I'm the student relations coordinator. I oversee social orientation in the fall and student organizations at York. Um, I don't think I'm cool, but thank you. You are, you are. Thank See? you. The audience said he's cool. It's unanimous. It's recorded on the podcast. Yeah. I'm so touched. What is a fun fact that people would be surprised to learn about you, Jer? Besides the belly dancing. Besides the belly dancing? I have a collection of Funko Pops in my office, um, but the reason, and it's a growing collection, but the reason I have them there is because I'm not allowed to bring them home. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Sorry, what is the collection? Uh, Funko, Funko Pops, they're otherwise known as bobbleheads. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Thank you. Right. Do you Thank focus you. on a specific theme of the Funko Pops, like Marvel? Yeah, I'm a huge geek, so yeah. there's like Marvel, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars. Harry Potter. Yes. All that fun stuff. Game okay. of Thrones. Yes. Yeah. All right. If you were to have a podcast about these, what are they? Funko Pops. Funko Pops. I know I'm going to say it wrong and swear <laughs> by accident somehow. If, if you had a podcast about it, what would you call it? Getting Funky with Funkos. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, all right. So, Jerry, you said you want to talk about future structures and staffing in student affairs. So, what motivated you to write that down? Just because I'm so impressed with how so many institutions are bringing in outside voices and outside perspectives into the work they do. And it's basically like redefining how we serve students and these ideas and these different ways of thinking is for the benefit. And not only with the staffing that's brought in, but the, just the restructuring departments, I was really impressed with just sessions I've been to this week. That's hmm. a good perspective because I think normally people fear the change uh, and you know, there's, there's always an assumption that someone's losing a job or funding's moving to some, another priority. So it's really good to think about how what it could bring new energy, new ideas, new voices to the table. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Adam? Well, thank you so much <laughs> for that great question, because I had a question brewing in my head for you. But I would, I would agree with what Nadia was observing. I think sometimes when we look at, um, I'm all, sorry, I'm also thinking about the conversation this morning at the one that Anne and Brenda did about oh, yeah. the SSAOs, and they were talking about um, expertise coming from lots of different types of places and whether it's a you're an economist or whether you're a lawyer or you have your MED or there's lots of different ways to take up this work and the in, all the insights matter I think different levels of expertise are super useful I don't think there's just one track yeah. was there one thing that like 
one particular example that you were thinking of that you thought was particularly exciting or useful? Yeah, sure. So I went to a session yesterday from UBC. Um, they talked about the way they're communicating with the students now, and they brought in an individual who used to work for EA, which is a gaming company. Um, oh, like down the street here, too. Yeah. There is? Yeah. I'll oh, show you after. Thank you. Okay. Um, <laughs> side trip? Okay. That's a new excursion. Okay. Um, but he had a really interesting mentality about it, just in terms of getting people on board and trying something new and communicating in different ways. And one interesting comment that he talked about, someone actually asked, like, so you're focusing on this internal ecosystem where communication's being filtered through the institution and whatnot. Where do you fall then in terms of social media? And he brought up a very interesting point that I have yet to hear from a community communications person. He's like, the truth of the matter is, with social media, if you don't have an ad budget, it doesn't really matter because you don't control the algorithm, you don't control how it's being used, how it's being assessed to a certain degree. So that's why he was a proponent of an internal ecosystem which is controllable, defined, and they kind of create the conversations that they want around it. And I thought that, that was so interesting. What does that look like? Like, can you give me an example? Is internal anyone, ecosystem? Is it like Westworld? Like, are we building just like a fake? <laughs> Anybody from UBC here? I don't want to talk for you, but yeah. we'll so, do a follow-up okay. podcast. Sure. About okay, that's that. good. Yeah, we'll that. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. So, it, Jer, if you were to predict, like in the next ten years, and we're talking about the structures and systems of student affairs, what are some of the things that you are that you might predict? I think that uh, roles that we have today will be changing. So, for example, yeah. this beautiful innovation of the podcast that you are all doing is genius. And it just shows to the breadth and talent that both of you have to do something that's so simple, and I don't mean simple as easy to do, but it's a way for all of us to connect to find each other's expertise without having to go to a conference and shake a hand. Mm. It's so accessible. I think in the future, all of us in our roles, don't know why it's, sorry, did I do that? No, well, okay. it's agreeing with you. For those of you just listening, the screen <laughs> is flashing. So um, I think we'll all have different functions in our role and have to be a master, at least a facilitator for different types of expertise. So whereas some of us, uh, like Josh or I, are in orientation, um, or like Chelsea, who is in health education, we'll be looking at various areas in our roles because they all intersect so well. I agree. I would say that's something I'm noticing more is we're kind of looking to each other and this, the, the silos, or as my colleague Jeff calls them, cylinders of excellence uh, within oh, our yeah. units. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag that. I like yeah, that. It's good. Yeah. It's not a good thing, but I mean, it's a good phrase. Well, if we're looking to serve the whole student, we yeah. have to have a whole campus, right? And that involves us talking to yeah. one another. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. I, I don't know. Yeah. You still think about cylinders yeah, of excellence? Like, <laughs> yeah. It's really, oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, wow. um, well, was there any other observations that you, or musings about the structures that you're I thinking about? I actually have a question for the two of you. So I know, Adam, what you do at U of T Central Campus. Matthew, um, what do you do? Oh, okay. I'm the senior manager of student life and the International Student Center at U of T Scarborough Campus. So if you're both able to, um, would you be able to answer what is in five, ten years an adjustment to departmental structures? It doesn't have to be student affairs and the university as a whole, whether it's faculty, operational, on the business side, um, that you think could be innovative and helpful to serving students. Holy. I don't know. I feel like I, from some of the sessions and people talking, I feel like a murmur of like embedding models are gonna have a comeback where like they kind of they're gonna want everything and every like one stop shop. So you'll have like a student life, a counselor, health and wellness, maybe within a faculty. I, I don't know. It seems like there's more demand on us to support students. So there might be duplications or a merge of some sort. I don't know. 
I think um, one of the things that I think could be an exciting uh, possibility and something that there are existing models across Canada that I think are really awesome are really bridging the gap between our student services, student affairs world and the registrar registrarial world, yeah. which having caucus and a rec together is a phenomenal opportunity to talk about that. I even think about the way we recruit and then the mo then gets them to campus and then they might get different or inconsistent messages. I, we're not necessarily all mm -hmm. paddling in the same direction. So I kind of think there's going to be further opportunities for collaboration within and among our units just to make sure that we're consistent and the things that we're uh, saying to students to kind of entice them to come to our campuses, matches up with the thing that they're going to experience when they show up and it's and, and all through kind of their entire experience. So I, I see that as a possibility. Thank you, the two of you. Good question. Oh, all right. Thanks, Jer. Thank Give it up you. for Jer. All right, so Jer has reached into the mug and... The name is Zaha Murji from University of Toronto Scarborough. Oh! Thanks, Jer. Thanks, Jer. That wasn't a plant from Nadia. No, nope, no. Nope. But a great colleague from University of Toronto Scarborough. Hi, guys. Hello. Oh, this is so exciting. I'm a little scared, but... Don't. Yeah. Hi, everyone. We'll You're take care of you. Okay. Okay, so Zara, yes. welcome to the stage. Thank welcome you. to the podcast. Thank How you. How are you doing? Great. I'm so excited to be here. It's my first caucus, so it's really cool. <laughs> so it's been really good so far. And what is one of maybe one of the sessions that has spoken to you the most during your first few days at your first caucus? I think it's similar. I was at the uh, session that Jared was talking about. Oh. UBC was talking about, like, the registrar's office and... Um, their student services are working close together, so it's nice to see that. So, Amazing. Yeah. And any favorite PEI Charlottetown moments? We've been eating a lot of cow's ice cream, so <laughs> that's been amazing. Um, yeah. And seeing Anne at the banquet. Oh, yeah. Oh, Anne. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a whole other go down. <laughs> um, but I think when we were in our session, I saw you and your crew walking by enjoying some cow's ice cream, so I was very envious. Yes. Um, so, Zara... You wrote down that you want to talk about the unengaged student. Yes. Tell us about what motivated you to write that down. So I was an unengaged student when I went to the University of Toronto. And um, actually, that's one of the reasons I really wanted to get into marketing and communications, because I feel like there's so many amazing programs that Student Affairs puts on. And it's like it's fantastic programming, but there's such a small yeah. population that actually engages in that programming. And they're, they're amazing students, but there's all these other students that don't actually, who probably need it even more, that pass by and they don't realize it's there. So my goal is always to like take these beautiful programs, like our team, Nadia is my boss, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, just throwing it out there. But like our team does amazing programming and to like take that programming and put it out there so students actually know what's going on. So you'll always see like our promotions are always the brightest and the most sparkly because we really want people to see that, that we do that, that we're all about the sparkle. Yeah. So, yeah. Nice. And what do you think are some of the challenges of getting the message into the hearts and minds of the students we're trying to engage? What are some of the challenges you experience? I think our biggest, so we are a commuter campus, and I think our biggest issue is like a lot of students just come here to U of T Scarborough, and then they, you know, they come in for classes and they head out. So it's really hard to get them to, um, I guess, come out to things that are going on at, like after hours that actually would really help them with their future careers. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, we find that we have to kind of be strategic about how we present things, like making sure that we tell them the um, advantages of attending these events and how it'll help them with school and it'll help them with um, getting jobs afterwards. Because we noticed that's, that's what our mm -hmm. student population is really interested in. But 
every campus is different, right? So there's other campuses like McMaster or Guelph where there's students that are um, living on campus and I think the student life is a little bit, I, um, students are a little bit more engaged probably because there's more people on residence. So I yeah, I think, I don't know if it's a fake theory of mine that I think when it comes to maybe commuter campuses that you, your students have like hustle fatigue too, like you're just hustling like to like go to class, work, make it home, keep friends and you're just like tired. So sometimes you do have the, if I go to this, what's in it for me? Like I want to make sure that if I'm missing this go bus, yes. I'm getting yes. ABC. I, mm. think that, I think that's some of our the type, archetypes of students. But yeah, so that's why like uh, the co-curricular record um, is an amazing achievement at U of T. And um, shout out to Manjot over there, who runs it at the University of Toronto Scarborough campus. Um, it's, it's a great way to get students to feel like, oh, if I do this, I'll get this really cool thing that'll help me with my career, but I'll also get to be involved. So that's kind of our way of catching students and getting them to come out to our events. Promoter. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, She's like fully endorsing you as a supervisor, fully endorsing U of T as an employer. Oh my goodness, I couldn't, this is amazing. Uh, Nadia is the best boss. Like, though, I, like, so. I, it's not even like oh, planned. Okay. <laughs> Adam, you're pretty cool too. You're pretty cool too. Yeah. Like, are there any names from U of T in the St. <laughs> George? Um, so you talked about CCR as being kind of a good motivator because yes. it's kind of a formal recognition, perhaps from the institution. You talked about glitter and sparkle as another strategy mm -hmm. for kind of enticing folks. Are there any other kind of strategies or approaches that you think are really useful for kind of promoting the value of the programs that are coming out of some of our student life offices? We're really focusing this year on student stories. So, so um, social media obviously is a huge uh, way to connect to our student population. And we have a really great relationship with the central communications on our campus. So we try to communicate through them. But telling students about their colleagues and like what their colleagues are doing and how amazing it is and their success stories, I think helps other students to see themselves in that student and um, maybe come out and like join some of our events and our, our programming and engage with us. So that's part of it. Nice. And if you could go back to first year Zara oh. and tell her you know, a few oh. things or give her some advice now that you've you kind of have graduated, what would you tell her? I would tell her to pay attention because I think that's, uh, that's the problem with the commuter student who comes onto campus and is just walking by and not looking around. So I would tell her to get involved and join the first year program because it's amazing and everybody should do it and um, to actually like engage and volunteer and have an amazing time like while they're in their undergrad and not after. So yeah. Gotcha. I think we hear a lot from our upper year students like I wish I had known about this yeah. and I, yeah. I wonder if there's ways to kind of shorten that learning curve a little bit. So I think that's really great advice. So I just have one more question. Um, so do I get a mug? <laughs> These mugs are really nice. Actually, that's the only reason I put something that's, in. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, we will get you a mug. Yeah, so we have mugs. some relay essay mugs that Nadia ordered, and they, they do look quite nice, I think. So I wanted like yes. a morning show feel, like when you're like just sip. Oh, I love it. Yeah, you guys Full look Hoda and Kathy yeah, Lee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But there's tea in mine. There's no alcohol. It's tea. No, mine's fully Green tea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We will get you a mug. We commit to that. Perfect. Okay, this was totally worth it then. Thank you. Besides <laughs> the knowledge you dropped. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Zara. So we've got time, I think, for one or two more. Okay. So why don't uh, we see who Zara's going to pick from the, the mug of adventure? Oh, look who it is. Alicia Graham <laughs> oh, okay. from UTSC. All right. Another person from here, Rizzi Toronto Scarborough. Exciting. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm 
Sorry, Adam. <laughs> well, and actually, fun fact, which I think I can share. Well, I hope this is public knowledge that Alicia, you're oh, going to yeah. be moving from University of Toronto Scarborough to yes. the downtown St. George campus. Yes. So, so honorary St. George. So honorary. So you're. Ooh. Okay. Welcome. <laughs> welcome to the stage. Thanks. I don't know what topic you guys picked out because I put a couple in there. Ooh. Okay. Okay. So what? Zara? Oh wait. First, tell us about your new role. Oh, so you can't present St. Jorge. Okay, wonderful. Um, so, <laughs> I have been lucky enough to, to get to join the team in the Faculty of Arts and Science. Uh, they're in the process of developing a wonderful new student success hub there. So, I will get to be the student success programs officer with focus on international, which is a new passion of mine for sure. So. Great. And uh, what is maybe like a fun and interesting fact that people might not know about you? Um, fun and interesting fact. Boy band connoisseur. I mean, I am a boy band connoisseur. That was my other topic, so we could go either way. <laughs> um, but like, really, a boy band connoisseur. Like, I even try to stay current. Like, part of me wants to stay in the Backstreet Boys forever, even though they just released a new single. But I also like to try to, you know, keep up with the K-pop boy bands because there's, mm. like, you know, those are really cool. One Direction. I saw their concert. Oh, the Latino one. Oh, oh, Ciencio? So good, yeah. yeah. Okay, so yeah, I try to, I try to diversify my women. <laughs> I did not know that about you. I am surprised to learn that. Yeah, I love them all still. Mm-hmm. If you could have a podcast about boy bands, mm-hmm. what would you call it? Oh, oh. Um, I don't know. It would be lame. It would just be like, Alicia loves boy bands. <laughs> Alicia loves boy bands. Yeah. I would listen to that. Subscribe. Yeah. Yeah. But then like, everybody would be like, Alyssa loves boy bands. And then I'd be like, no. So the topic that was drawn was the topic of getting ahead without the masters. Ooh, I love that. Yeah, so tell us why you chose to write that down as a topic we should be talking about. I mean, I guess I chose it because it's always something that I'm a little self-conscious about. I do not have my masters. Like, one shot a shot did not stick. (laughs) So I don't have it. Um, But I have definitely pursued a lot of additional education. Um, A lot of stuff through our fantastic colleges in Ontario, so certificates and postgrad through places like Seneca and Humber, a lot of continuing ed, taking advantage of PD opportunities. So just trying to like fill my bucket with with other pieces because um, a master's is sort of this thing where I'm always like slightly ashamed that it's not the thing that I have, but I also know that it's maybe not the right fit for me. Mm. Um, so, So trying to navigate those waters has been interesting, yeah. And I thought it was so interesting at the the morning Mm -hmm. session with Brenda um, that they talked. I I was so expecting them to drop like a PhD bomb and be like, yeah, I get it. But then they're like, we want people from different backgrounds. And I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. and it makes perfect sense for depending on what you do within student affairs, you do need certain skills. And uh, that was really enlightening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So do you feel a pressure to get one? Like, do you think that's in the cards for you at some point? Or do you feel like you're okay maneuvering with what you've got now yeah. and other facets of learning? For sure. Um, I definitely feel the pressure, and I definitely feel it almost as, like, a self-conscious, like, villain Alicia is inside being like, you got to do better, you got to be better. Um, and I think that, like, yeah, we're seeing it become more of a thing, yeah. even for entry-level positions that I once had. All of a sudden, that's tacked on, and I'm like, would I not have been able to do that? Because mm. um, I was able to do it. I think I'm okay at what I do, um, and I don't have a master's. So I, I think that there's ways to navigate it, but I also think that um, there's also some master's programs that they're starting to expand yeah. to be a better fit, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that as I, as I look at that, I start to look at what things like Royal Roads or Memorial are offering, yeah. um, maybe some more non-traditional routes to get to the master and to be, because like, it would also be fun to say like, I'm a master. 
Like that would be cool. <laughs> That's how y'all refer to yourselves, right? Oh, all the time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so let's think about, so you're talking about different styles of masters. What are some of the things that would be appealing for you in a master's program? What would you be looking for? Um, I'm definitely a doer. Like I'm a very action oriented person. So sitting down and developing a thesis and thinking broad, like not, th I can think broadly, but like thinking really far ahead long-term is not necessarily like my like jam. I really right. like to get in it. I like to do action oriented things. So I think some of the more course-driven ones, um, the ones that have that like one week where you get all together with everybody and you kind of hash it out in that um, mm -hmm. could definitely be a great fit. Um, but also like, you know, a lot of these one-day opportunities that aren't master's related, but like PD opportunities or job exchanges or things like that where I think that oh, you can really develop some of these skills and gain knowledge from other people too. Um, because by no means am I not like a theory-driven person either. Um, and I think that there's ways that you can develop that and learn about that. And I mean, just even being at caucus and looking at the last slide on everybody's presentation and then jotting down their resources, right? Yeah. And going back and reflecting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely not something that's a never for me, but I know that it's not a right now. So I'm just trying to like, you know, figure out what that fit is gonna be for me next, yeah. Mm. I think as a manager, I value, it may not be that that person has that credential, but the skill of, or the art of still being curious, because it's so easy to just like kind of coast or settle in what we do in the day to day. But I think whether or not you're pursuing a master's, it's being curious and being like hungry for like why are students like mm -hmm. this or what are the students that are coming in, like knowing the trends. And that I think sometimes a master's or a program or a certificate program kind of maintains that engine. And also, be, if we do want to collaborate more with faculty and other departments, mm -hmm. you may need, we may need the, the lingo. We may need to have the, mm -hmm. and that paper gives us confidence. So just things to keep in mind that it may not have to be a master's, but if like your person on your team have those things that they, you know, it goes a long way. I don't sure. know. What do you think, Adam? For I think it's tricky because I, I really feel troubled when we see kind of entry level jobs that where now we're asking for masters, but like the pay grade hasn't gone up to match the requirements <laughs> that we're asking yeah. for. Like the reciprocal kind of like demand and supply that's meeting it. Mm -hmm. um, I also think there's like a logistical thing to consider when you're stacking up resumes and someone's education section might be a little bit longer and you can't represent like, I'm just a curious, like smart yeah. person yeah. and I don't have a master's, but I have all these other experiences mm -hmm. that might not um, roll up into a resume in, or like in a way that kind of might be competitive with someone who has a I don't know. For sure. I think it depends on the hiring yeah. manager, what they're looking for, what the, the job mm. criteria is, but I do feel like it is a, it is a pressure yeah. um, for sure, and it's something I think I feel, I mean at U of T, because we're so close to Boise, mm -hmm. I think there's like a pressure, a lot of people um, participate in that master's, but yeah. I think sometimes people do it because they feel like they need to, as opposed to being yeah. drawn by that kind of innate curiosity. sense of curiosity. And because you work at an education institution, you're like, I guess I gotta stay in school. Yeah. yeah. But. but also talking about other ways to learn, right? I think we also see a lot with our undergrad students continuing on with their education, which is fantastic, but not because they're really passionate about it, but because they don't know what they want to do next. So I love to talk to students about other education options that aren't just a master's, right? Mm -hmm. The value of a college education, like having gotten to work at a college, and it's just incredible. Yeah. Um, and I think now working in a university, I, I sometimes see our students being like, I don't know, I don't know if that's the right fit. And I'm like, actually, it's so fantastic and, and such an opportunity to get some practical experience, yeah. which we know our students are sometimes lacking, right? So. Oh, good insights. Cool, thanks. Oh. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so do you want to, uh, I think this might be one maybe more? Our, our one more. Okay, All right. let me try to not get someone from ETSC. Not one from ETSC. 
Uh, Kim? Kim? From UBC about career development? Yes. Oh. Yeah. So welcome to the stage, Kim. Hi. Hi, welcome. Thank you so much Thank for you. writing your name down. What a thrill. All right. Hi, nice to meet you. Hi, I'm Adam. Hi, I'm Hi. Kim. Welcome. Hi, I'm Nadia. Hi, Nadia. I'm Kim. Okay, so Kim, you are at the University of British Columbia. Yes, I am. That's and, true. And what is your role there? I work as the director of the Center for Student Involvement and Careers. So we do new student orientation, peer education, leadership development, and career education. Holy smokes, and the kitchen sink, like all the things. I tell you, all the fun stuff, all the fun stuff. Lots of uh, sparkles and glitter, I suppose. Amazing. Yes. <laughs> the sparkle budget. Connecting the <laughs> themes. And the, the serious uh, LinkedIn headshots, of course. Of course, well, photo naturally. shoots all the time. Yes, yes. Can, um, can so, you think of like a fun fact, something that you know people should know about you that we may not be able to tell from you? Um, yes, I can tell you that I own four chickens. I have four backyard chickens. Well, I think so, that's, that's an unusual fact. fact. Oh my yeah. Yeah. Do they have names? <laughs> uh, yes, we have. Uh, I my young children name them, so um, they're, no very, they're very they're <laughs> very uh, creative. We have uh, Goldie and Pom Pom and Popcorn and Popcorn um, Chicken. <laughs> 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 oh, sorry, I couldn't resist. Popcorn chicken. Okay, go on. I, I don't think they were going for that. It was actually, it was a very bouncy. We got them as chicks, you know, so yeah. they're a couple days old, and we had them in the house at that time, and there was one that was always popping out of the cardboard box where, mm-hmm. say, so that one got to be called popcorn. And I, I forget the other one. Like, I think there might be two called Goldie and, Goldie and Spotted. Goldie and Spotted. That's oh, what it those is. Those are fabulous names. Yeah, yeah. And how does chicken rearing influence your <laughs> approach to student affairs? <laughs> Mostly just kidding, unless you really want to go there. But I think, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have a strong link okay, at the moment. No. That's all right. Um, so you wrote career development, and I'm wondering if this maybe picks up on some of the things we were just talking about, or yeah. if it was okay. So tell us what motivated you to write this down in, as a topic we should be talking about. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, from my work, I'm very interested in career development and thinking about the ways in which a whole university degree supports students in their career development and their career learning. And I think it was really interesting to hear the past guests, um, you know, I think student affairs professionals or higher education professionals thinking about the ways in which um, you're navigating your own career is, um, you know, of course, top of mind because you're often in that mentorship role where even if you're not a career educator or career advisor, um, students um, are probably turning to you for, for guidance and advice and for perspective and helping um, kind of be that sounding board to reflect on their experiences, whether they're in the classroom or some of the co-curricular spaces. What are they learning? What are they um, figuring out about themselves and what they want to do in the world? Um, So I guess the reason I really wrote it down is... uh, one of the things that I think is really important is that uh, you know the whole community of uh, folks in our colleges and universities start to think about themselves as career educators, and I don't say that to diminish um, you know the really important work of people who study career development and career counseling, but really I think um, there's a there's a requirement for us to to help students think about how their whole degree, all the actions that they take, the courses they take, the people that they meet, um, the the activities that they engage in, the work experiences or volunteer experiences they have. When we imagine, you know, what does what does a what does a degree or what do uh, post-secondary studies do for you? Um, it's not just uh, you know kind of a selection of a major results in 
a couple of jobs you can choose from. Yeah. It's that kind of whole person development, and I think there's a role for the whole community to play in that. <sighs> Sorry. That's so good. Um, and so what are some of the ways that you think we could take that up? So I think it's this kind yeah. of thing where if everyone is kind of a career educator in some way or taking mm-hmm. up this mantle mm-hmm. of kind of mm-hmm. seeing ourselves as helping students make meaning and kind of uh, project themselves into their career or their jobs, what are some of the examples that you would see that might be kind of non-traditional mm-hmm. examples of people doing that work? Yeah, um, well, I guess one of the ways I, I first start, because people sort of say, ah, you know, I feel awkward about that or I don't think about career. Or, I don't know if I know enough about the labor market to have mm-hmm. a good conversation about career. So I guess the first thing I do is always say, you know, you can think about career development in sort of a simple way. And there's kind of four big domains. And uh, for anyone that's, uh, you know, trying to think about their career and, and their way in the world, they have to think about their identity development. Who am I? Who am I in the world? Uh, who, who, how do I want to, to contribute? Uh, you need to think about your network, which sometimes feels like a bit of a dirty word. Yeah. But really, that's kind of the promise of post-secondary as well, that you're meeting people and you're building connections. And our whole, our, all of our academic institutions are so ripe for uh, relational developments. And we can play a huge role in that. Um, the third big domain, of course, is experiences. So you got to build yeah. skills, and you got to um, have experiences to learn more about yourself, and actually to develop those kinds of uh, competencies that the the world needs. Whether it's hosting a podcast, or whether it's uh, you know advertising or marketing for a club, or whether it's learning you know about political systems in the classroom. These are all important. And then the kind of fourth domain is the thing that people sort of go to the most, and that's you know the um, the kind of functional career skills. It's how do I put together a compelling LinkedIn profile? How do I prepare well for an interview? Um, how can I research the labor market? And those are the places people often go to first on, on career development. Um, but I think that sort of those functional skills, those tools and resources around career only matter if you do the other stuff, the identity development, mm-hmm. the network, and developing experiences really well. So it's in those first three domains that mm-hmm. I think uh, folks in higher ed really have a huge contribution to make, regardless of where they sit in the, like in the organization. Any thoughts, like, Sometimes at the end of the year when I have like time to like breathe and like finally catch up, I'm always like, I really wish I was more conscious of talking about student affairs as a profession to uh, students. And I'm, I always feel like I miss that opportunity. Like any thoughts or ideas regarding like just encouraging students. Sometimes they come and like, I want to do this. And like throughout the year, they kind of journey out of like that dream. But and, and they're happy for it. But you see me like, I think we're going to be really good as like this in student affairs. Like, I don't know. Is there... Any ideas on how to promote our own profession to students? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fantastic question. Um, I, I think, you know, as um, I work in a university, and I think uh, it's a big one. Our UBC, uh, the Vancouver campus, has about 55,000 students. And so um, I always think about it like a small yeah. city. And so even student affairs is sort of a subsection of possible employment within that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you could be an architect and work for a university. You could be an accountant and work in the university. You could be a community relations or a marketing and communication specialist and work there as well. So um, I do think uh, for student affairs, one of the things to me that's always really compelling is thinking about what the um, what are the ends. You know, if you thought just for a second about kind of the product of our work as being learning and knowledge and growth and development, I think that's something that's often compelling for students who've been active in their campus environments because um, you know, the chance to every day mm-hmm. wake up and contribute to human growth and learning and development as your kind of product or outcome, um, that's something that I think really motivates people yeah. and often really kind of 
uh, fuels that internal motivation. Um, so I think people that have uh, thought about the ways that they want to contribute to sustainable community development or um, I think moving the dial on some of the um, you know, the big complex issues that society is wrestling yeah. with, education is a pretty incredible a avenue uh, yeah. at that. I like that. Sure, write it down. <laughs> For our marketing communication. <laughs> Amazing. Um, well, thank you so much, Kim. That was phenomenal. That was like... That was uh, great. Yeah. Thank you so much for writing that down and being willing to come up at the stage and share that with us. Thanks for having me. We got someone from another province in there, so it's great. Amazing. <laughs> phenomenal. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. So we're coming to the end of our time, but I really, um, I think if it's okay, I'm just going to read maybe some of the topics that oh, were okay. that we didn't get to because I think one of our goals was to encourage dialogue. So even as you're going to Cow's Ice Cream for maybe the second or third time today, maybe talk about me. this in line with a colleague. Um, so this one, uh, oh, this was a good one from Mount Royal and Thompson Rivers Friendship Across Canada. So right. thank you, Chelsea and Janet, for that. Um, stress management. Phenomenal topic that I think a lot of us could explore. Credentials in student affairs from Sarah Barley Hollow, so thank you. Uh, we kind of touched on that a little bit, but we could probably do a deeper dive in another conversation. How boy bands relate to student affairs as a practice. No way to know who wrote that down. Uh, and then Christina, uh, Chris, wrote down something about professional development. So again, these are really useful topics for us to keep in mind as we continue to podcast away. I like them. We want to do a thank you to Adrian Ross for our theme song that you heard as you were entering the room. Uh, everyone that participated in our lovely co-host the studio audience in the room, live from PEI. And of course, this would not be a podcast if we didn't end by encouraging you to subscribe on SoundCloud like or iTunes. Yeah, like and subscribe. Um, I think that's it. Follow us on Twitter, oh, yeah. hashtag RealEssay, and we'll this see. was really good. Yeah, thank you so it was much. Like, really good, like, <laughs> like really, it was so good. <laughs> like, everyone was just like, each level of someone that came up was just like blowing my I know. mind. Like, I loved it. It was good. All right. Oh, so what do you think, Nads? I love it. I love, and like, we were like in front of like a live studio audience. Uh, it was amazing that the idea was able to um, happen right, you know, unfold as we planned it. And every guest, even though people were a little bit nervous, everyone had such wisdom. Every, every uh, everyone we interview in general, but just in that live moment, everyone had such wisdom and just such knowledge dropping, like, it was so amazing. Yeah, I think sometimes we think that learning has to be this formal, structured yeah. thing, and that's certainly the case for, I think, a lot of conference presentations that I really enjoy, but I also think that it's good to create some space for um, kind of more personal storytelling and just sharing about people's insights about their work in more casual formats, because you can really get into it, and we got into it on a lot of different important topics in a short period of time, so I just want to give a shout out to everyone who joined us um, on, on our Relay essay live. So Jen Gonzalez, as usual, you're amazing. You got us started off. Um, Chelsea Corsi, um, Jer, Zara, Alicia, and Kim. Uh, you're all phenomenal, and thank you so much for being such wonderful participants. Please uh, give us some reactions and feedback on this episode on social media. Hashtag Relay essay. Jen could be found at, at Jen Gonzalez 8 Jer is at jcall, K-A-L-L, 48. Zara is at Zara M. Visram, V-I-S-R-A-M. And Kim is on Twitter as well as 
at at Kim underscore K-I-L-O-H. And Natty, if I wanted to connect with you on the Twitter, where would oh, I find nice. you? I'm at Nads Roses, N-A-D-S-R-O-S-E-S. And I'm you? at Adam Kewen, K-U-H-N. So thank you for listening. Use the hashtag RelaySA if you're tweeting about any of this. Um, special shout out to Adrian Ross, who does our theme music. We love it so much. And please let us know if you have any ideas for a podcast or a conversation that you want to get started off the ground. We are happy to help. Thank you so much for listening. Bye for now. Bye.